mentally or physically, success can be defined as getting up one more time after you've been knocked down over and over and over again. My name is T. Wood, and this is Triumphant Moments, where we highlight significant moments in life that are beyond the surface to inform, to encourage, and inspire people to triumph over their life's challenges. With me today, I have my brother, Royal King. How are you? Bless my brother. Okay, okay, okay. So, uh, out of curiosity, you have a specific regimen that you do every day, every morning, or so during the week, I, I'm pretty consistent to my routine. Uh, I wake up with a bottle of water, um, and I, so before I leave the house, I normally have about three bottles. But I wake up with one, you know, freshen up, do what I need to do to get ready. Right. I pre-prep my breakfast the, the night before. It's either boiled eggs and turkey bacon or I scramble them right. with the turkey bacon. And um, I, I eat breakfast when I get to the office. And I have two more bottles, and then I eat my breakfast. And um, That's typically how I start Monday through Friday. On, on the weekend, sometimes it's a little more. I don't, I don't get too often, but sometimes I get to sleep in until about 839, and I appreciate that. But, yeah, other times, it's, you know, I'm up at 6. I was up at 6 this morning, out the house at 7. So um, it just depends. On the weekends, I, I – I get off of it a little bit, but Sunday I'm back preparing for Monday. Right. Okay. Well, let's let's dive right into it. Dallas, Texas. Grew up in Dallas, Texas. What was growing up in Dallas, Texas like for Royal King? Man, so it was. Now I look back at it, it was, it's kind of like a, a dream a little bit, but it was a huge experience. Mm-hmm. I, I I grew up and was able to experience a lot of different facets, excuse me, facets and aspects of Dallas. Um, by you know the experiences I had, I, I started off at a Christian school to from as before I can remember to third grade. Then I went from there to uh, uh, elementary school, Mark Twain Fundamental Vanguard School uh, in Oak Cliff, Texas, <laughs> how they like to say, which is uh, was a predominantly African American school, and I stayed there uh, all through uh, elementary. Then I went on to back to the, the east side where where we resided, uh, East Dallas, and went to Robert T. Hill Middle School, which was a, a mixed school and a good experience. And then I went to uh, Lincoln High School Humanities and Communications Magnet mm-hmm. uh, in South Dallas, which was um, at the time and still is one of the most impoverished and um, uh, violent parts of the city. Wow. Um, but all of those experiences helped shape who I am and, um, you know, allowed me to have a love and strong desire to want to help people and really be about service. That was actually the next question. Um, how did you witness any rough situations, maybe not even directly with you, but did you witness any uh, rough situations growing up that you either saw, heard that was in the area of where you grew up and things of that sort that might have made it a little challenge? Yeah, man. So I got, I got a funny story. So um, my first uh, day getting off the bus, and this might not have been what you were looking for, but getting off the bus uh, to go to Lincoln, because you uh, it was a magnet, so I lived on the east side, and it was in uh, South Dallas. Right. Um, and I knew that the area, you know, I knew where I was going. Right. Um, and i never forget, we got off the bus, me and my one of my best friends, um, and I, we, we call each other cousins to this day. But uh, we got off the bus, and it was a girl beating up a dude 
like, as we were walking into the school, and I was like, oh, oh this is where we are. So y'all stepped in and helped, right? Y'all went over there and helped them well, out. Well, so no, we were, as we were getting off the bus, they were, she had, I guess, just made contact, and they were scrabbling, and uh, they had broke it up, but it was just kind of like, okay, this. <laughs> Welcome. This that was where, like yeah. an introduction. Yeah, this this where you at. I was like, okay. <laughs> I, I remember telling my mom that, and she was like, she wasn't even surprised a little bit, but. Yeah, that was a that was a rough start to start in high school. Uh, I see that's not something you expect right up, right off top to just get off the bus and you see that. Yeah, you know that scrapping around there. But I tell you what, with that being said, in transitioning there, were there some mentorship? Mentorship period. Yeah, it's something that you appear to be very, 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 very passionate about. So, what particular programs impacted you when you growing up? Yeah, so. Um, my high school years were like essential to my development, and and during that time, I participated in uh, two programs. Mm-hmm. Um, one of them was called the Omega Sparks, um, which was through the Theta Alpha chapter of Omega Psi Phi Fraternity Incorporated, um, to which my father was a, a member at the time. That seems to be a great fraternity, wouldn't you say? I absolutely, okay. absolutely, yeah, okay. yeah um, the greatest fraternity. But um, that program. Uh, had a major impact on my life because uh, it was black men mentoring right. predominantly uh, young black boys. Right. Um, and it, it helped me grow a greater appreciation for my father, but then for other men who had children and maybe had older children but were either bringing those kids or leaving those kids who weren't old enough for, for the topics and what we were doing yet mm-hmm. to come and help some other kids. So mm-hmm. um, in witnessing that um, – I guess without even realizing it, I was developing some of uh, my desire to want to be uh, a helpmate and kind of do it for, for other black boys and just kids, period. Um, so that program had a huge impact. And then uh, I always knew I wanted to pursue journalism at, mm-hmm. a, at a very young age. Uh, I remember playing live and video games. I could name you every basketball player on the roster's wow. name. Uh, and, like, every Football, too, like, I was just all about it. And I knew I wanted to, like, you know, sportscast and that stuff. So when I, that's why I went to Lincoln. And uh, when I got there, I was introduced to um, a program um, through the Dallas-Fort Worth Association of Black Communicators, uh, which was the local chapter of the National Association of Black Journalists, NABJ. Uh, they would do a 16-week boot camp uh, for young journalists, high school, awesome. college. Yeah. Come on. And uh, that program um, was basically like, like it was like boot camp for real, but we were introduced to, you know, all of the local black personalities. And, you know, Dallas isn't no small town, so you got people, you know, big-time people. Um, I remember meeting Roland Martin and interning and being able – I didn't even know who he was at the time. I'm like, you know, but later on as an adult, I'm like, man, you was (laughs) – you out here playing. Uh, But – the lady that that ran that, um, a lady named Cheryl Smith, um, who I call my aunt Cheryl because she was like the matriarch and she just didn't take no mess. And like the it was like boot camp. And a lot of the stuff that I learned that I implemented into my mentoring program and just my daily life came out of that program and that experience with her. Like the fact that I'm even in Tallahassee today is a testament to her because she told me, and I knew I wanted to be a journalist, that right. the best journalists come from Florida A&M University. And on that, it was like, I was telling my, 13, 14, telling my mom and dad, I'm going to Florida A&M. <laughs> they like, hold on now, I, I ain't know about out-of-state fees. Or, 
None of that. Yeah. So, um, but um, she she just had a huge impact on my life, and because she was mentoring me, you know, whatever she said, I believed. And then the next big part of that was that once I looked at it and did my homework about FAMU, everything she said was accurate. It was like, okay, like, she's not just saying this because she went there. She's saying this because that's what it is. So I was hooked. So basically it's safe to say that it's one thing to hear something. Someone say, hey, you should do this, you should do that. But then it's another to have the actual exposure to it. And it sounds like you were actually exposed and they mentioned it. So would you say that combination did a lot for you? Was that crucial? Absolutely. Uh, because uh, to my parents, if, if it would have just one for mm-hmm. them and their comfort, right. if it would have right. just been a person, even though they loved her and knew she had a major impact on my life, right. um, if it would have just been her saying it and then there was nothing to back it up, then it had been like, you know, for them. But even for me, I'd have been like, I, it wow. would have been a blow, but it would have been like, Maybe this isn't the best choice. So it made it even, it made her word that more and more gold because she wasn't endorsing anything that she, one, didn't experience, but then two, that wasn't factual. Right. So right. It, it was like crucial. See, that goes to, to, to spring another question here. So now I heard you mention Cheryl. Now, were there any other mentors in your life that stand out? Yeah, well, so my dad. You know, being one, uh, the brothers from the Theta Alpha chapter that, you know, led the Sparks program that I participated in. Right. Um, right. Brother Terry Forrest, uh, uh, Brother Patrick uh, Smith, who's uh, in our, the Omega Sci-Fi. He's the ninth District District Representative, which is the overseer for that uh, area. Wow. Um, who, you know, his son was in that program with me. Um, those were uh, some of those key people. Dr. Louie White, who was my teacher at Lincoln uh, in the journalism program, yeah. Bobby Dick. So um, those were some of the people, you know, in my earlier years who um, had a major, you know, impact. Well, I would say this. Um, if I, I'm not big on choosing and singling out one individual, but if you have to, because you kind of have to right now, if you were to put one individual who – not necessarily was better than the rest, but the impact is just that powerful to you as far as from a mentorship perspective that you had. Who out of that bunch? Man, I mean, I'd have to say my Aunt Cheryl okay. only because that's that's how um, her and then the, the Sparks program, those two, um, but her influence is, is how I ended up in Tallahassee and Honestly, I don't know if I'd have went to another city and had a different experience than I did here. Would would I have been able to create the program that I created, um, become the man I am? Right. I, right. I think I'd have still been successful, but um, I mean, her impact was so huge. That's how I even got to to this place. So, without her, I mean, Royal King might be a successful person. I probably would have. Then full time journalism. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I would have went somewhere else. I wouldn't have uh, became a, a person whose life is all facets related to service and helping people. Uh, so I, I'd have to say her. Okay. Okay. Now, with that being said, let's go ahead and clear some misconceptions here. Okay. I need your help to do this. There seems to be a misconception that 
mentorship, mentors and mentorship primarily only are useful for at-risk youth, uh, kids that come from a one-parent home. People tend to think that. What are your thoughts on that? Well, I mean, I, I would tell them they're absolutely wrong um, because by the standard of those things, I was none of them, mm. right? And um, because of the experiences I had and what I was exposed to, now I've in turn dedicated my life to the service of um, youth mm-hmm. and, and people, you know. So I, I would venture to say that I'm I'm the perfect example for um you're wrong for that. Um, even now in my program, we've got youth uh, from from mixed backgrounds, and um, they need that uh, experience. And in, in, in funny ways, they're mentoring each other without realizing it because they're being exposed to things that they wouldn't see um, outside the program. And and I'll say it as one of my parents said it. Um, one of our kids, a two-parent home, right. both parents are successful, and he's in this program. And his dad said, um, yes, my son uh, comes from, you know, his mom and dad are, are successful, but my success doesn't equal his success. Wow. And the things that he's experiencing, I necessarily don't have the answer for because it's a different era in time. And I need him to be around, one, other men who I trust wow. who can help guide and raise him, but then also around other young boys who are on a path and desire to be great. Now, that doesn't mean they have all the tools yet, but they all know that they want more than what they have. Um, And so when he kind of, he just said it so eloquent, and I was like, you're absolutely right, because what my success isn't is yours, it's not your success. Um, Every individual person is their own person. And because you grow up in a certain neighborhood and you may have more access to resources, it doesn't mean that, your life is going to always be better. Wow. See, there, there's, a, there's a small divide, and I know you've seen it. There's this, and maybe it's more mental, uh, that there's been a small divide in you have these belongings. I don't have those. So it's, a, you know, you don't need this. You don't need these examples of mentorship and things of that such. What do you say to that? I say, uh, again, I just, I just use myself as an example right. because – had I not been in those two programs, mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know where I would have ended up. You know, I was a very shy kid. You like people don't know that very shy. Man, um, come been, on! Now. I've been fat since I was eight years old. Come on! You know what I'm saying? Like no, you know what I'm saying? So I, I've like it, I, I battled with depression and all kind of stuff. And right. again, I had two really good involved parents mm-hmm. um, who, you know, I didn't have to worry about you know, meals or anything like that, but I still was battling with this stuff. Wow. And um, being in these programs helped me, you know, a lot because it, it, it let me kind of grow out of understanding that you got to love yourself above above everything. And um, anything worth having is worth fighting for. Right. And then um, right. where you are today doesn't have to be where you'll be later. Like. Right. You can do something. I could do something about my weight. I could do something about my shyness. And those programs, the journalism program, forced me to come out of that. Right. It was like, you know, you want to do TV. Right. And I had a bubbly personality, but I was still shy. You want to kind of hold TV, it in. But you, 
Like it, it don't work like that. So you gonna have we gonna push it out of you. So you telling me that Royal King was not born out the womb to just walk out there and just go showtime? Yeah, don't tell nobody that. <laughs> <laughs> don't, don't tell them. Hey, I, I want to heart back on something that I really, really think is important. You know, for an individual as myself that works and has worked in the mental health field as a therapist, um, you touched on with depression. I think that there's this automatic view when you have done a lot and I got to give you absolute credit. You've done so much with the youth and you've helped out so much. And sometimes you can get pushed to that standard to where it's like Royal has never had any struggle. Royal has never went through anything of any such, you know, because you walk around nine times out of 10, you have a smile on your face and everything just seems like it's just been not necessarily perfect, but no, no challenge, no struggles, no issues. What do you say to that? I say you're completely wrong. Um, Everybody has a, a story. Come on, man. Some kind of experience that fuels them. Come on, man. That they are, that they become. Um, and it was the adversity that that birthed my drive and my passion uh, for my own success, but for helping people. Wow. Uh, so I was, I would tell them, I would, I would tell them if you, if you walked in these shoes for a little bit, come on, your feet would probably be bloody um, pretty quick. But um, and that wouldn't be. Know, to, to cause any offense, but right. it would just be to kind of say, um, I definitely have my, my struggles, and um, by trusting in God first and um, surrounding myself with people who walk those paths to kind of help guide me, mm-hmm. it's allowed me to, you know, keep my sanity one, but right. to not quit on myself too. Come on, man. Curve it and turn in the corner here. Has there, is there anything that stands out or one of the things that stand out in your life that you might have experienced that you made it through or somehow succeeded in? Yeah, so like probably one of my lowest points was, so again, I came here from, from Dallas, Texas to mm-hmm. go to Florida A&M, and I was, I guess, like the star pupil. You know what I'm saying? I, I went right. to a, a, a school in like I said, South Dallas, one of the um, most impoverished and, and crime, uh, you know, written areas of the community. Even right. though I didn't live there, right. um, I was experiencing that. So even coming out of that was like a big thing to go to, you know, Tallahassee. Like all the people who graduated with me, if they left the state of Texas, it was because they were athletes. Wow. Right. And I was coming here to pursue journalism. Uh, so in that time, you know, I got here and. Uh, you know, that's a lot of freedom when you get to college. <laughs> See? And, uh, yes, it is. 12, 13 hours away. So, uh, <laughs> man, one of my, like, I guess at the time, lowest points was so, um, you know, I got here and I, I was very successful and um, kind of lost, I guess, myself a little bit. Um, and it took me six and a half years to graduate right. to get a four-year degree. Right. And, um I don't really talk about it a whole lot, but it was, you know, uh, an embarrassing time because, like I said, I left and was like the, oh, this, he's gonna be, this kid's gonna be great. He's gonna expectations, be great. and you know, year four, four, year five, it's like, whoa, man, what you, what are you doing? Wow. And um, it was a difficult time. Like, you know, I let my parents down, I let my dad down, and uh, it got to a point to where 
you know, him being a man, it was like, I can't, I can no longer support what you're doing. Wow. Like, you down there, you know, you playing. Wow. And, you know, at that time, <laughs> I was fat, <laughs> right? And that was just, you know, the youth in me, right? Right. <laughs> I was mad, like, are you not going to support me and help me? And I know I've been playing, but are <laughs> you going to not support me and help me? Um, but, you know, as a man, I understand. It was like, man, I can't I can't continue to enable you at all, and you're not doing what you're supposed to do. Wow. You got you to, at this point, you a man, you got to figure it out. And wow. um, it, like, it broke me, but then it birthed me at the same time. Wow. Because... I was like, oh my God, my dad left me. He's not gonna support me. And um I I but it 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 reminded me like perspective. Like he didn't say he wanted to go to Florida A and M and be no journalist and be the best. He never say that. Mm. He helped make it possible for me to do that, but that wasn't his dream. Mm. It was mine. Mm. And so I had to really look in that mirror and say, you know, you said this is what you wanted to do, but look, look, it's you're uh, output is a reflective of what you said you wanted. So wow. uh, in that, it, it helped me find myself because it was like, I got to figure this out, like, quick. Right. So I ended up, I had, I had to, I was working a part-time job. I had to get two more part-time jobs. <laughs> I ended up breaking it up. So um, I took, I think, maybe six hours that fall, six hours that following spring so that I could work. Yes. <laughs> Um, I had to take out a private loan uh, both those semesters uh, Been there. to to do what I needed to do. But right. when that happened, it, it 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 woke something up in me and said, "This this isn't for nobody. This is for you." Mm. Like you know, our parents aren't supposed to uh, be our caretakers for life. They're supposed to put us in a position, and you know, where they where they can support and be there. But there you it's, go. It's your responsibility. Wow. You know? And if you don't have parents. You know, it's still your responsibility because you 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 have somewhere where wherever you are access to something. Right. You got a teacher. You got a if you are into church, you got you know you got a, a minister. You got a a coach. If you go like in all, you're always connected to people. Utilizing your resources is right. important. Right. So, oh. um, but uh, when I overcame that, mm-hmm. like I said it took me. That's kind of what added because because I had to get those jobs, so that's why I took you know an extra semester. But that'll wake you up. Yeah, it, it not only did it wake me up, but once I did that, it was like it's nothing you can't. It's nothing nobody could tell me I couldn't do. Like I, oh my I was goodness. at my lowest. I was on food stamps. Come on, you know what I'm saying I was relying on friends who didn't even know it. Preach to get through. So it was like after that, it was you couldn't. It's like even now, it's like I remember you know where I was and. You know, I, I was, like, ashamed about that for a long time. Right, like, right. man, it took you six, seven years. But had it not taken that, t- that time for me to graduate, I wouldn't have developed into who I am. Look, uh, Jewel Alert, I want make I want to make sure our listeners understand this and, and, and really decode what we're hearing here. Everybody does not have the same path. Let's make sure we get that out there right now, all right? So understanding that oh. it was a point in time that Royal was experiencing – well, God darn, it's taking me this long to get out of here, man. I am embarrassed. But it took that time period, those things that happened in that time period, to get to the point that we're at now. Listen to what he's saying. Listen to how he's talking. He wasn't talking like that out of high school. Absolutely not. You know? So then when we look at those things, fast forward. Lamplighters. What? 
who is lamplighters? So the Omega Lamplighters is a, a 501c3 nonprofit. Okay. A young men's mentoring program uh, that I started. This is another thing that I started while I was an undergraduate wow. at Florida A&M University. Wow. Um, uh, and probably shouldn't have, but I, I was impassioned when I got here and said, I wanted to honor those people who, who poured into my life and I want to give back in some kind of capacity. Wow. So I was like, you know, um, I came here. I knew I wanted to be a, a member of Omega Psi Phi Fraternity Incorporated. Mm-hmm. And um, when I would meet the brothers, they would, you know, ask, well, what, what, why do you deserve an opportunity? What are you going to do? I'm going to start a mentor program. <laughs> I'm going to bring a mentor, I'm bring mentorship <laughs> to the fraternity. Oh, so you say, you know, a mentor. I'm, I'm not saying that, but. I don't see a mentor program <laughs> right now. Well, I'm going to bring one and help. Help! I'm a mentor. I'm going to bring the brothers in and we're going to mentor. Mm. And they were like, whatever. But to this day, you know, like when I talk to <laughs> some of my older brothers and friends, they like remind me like, man, you, you had, a, you didn't even, I didn't even realize that that was vision. I was just, I just knew I wanted to pay it back. Come on, man. So uh, after I, I crossed the fraternity in 2007, um, that next year we started the program and had no business, man. But I was I was just passionate. And right. so those first couple of years, man, it was not what what it wa- I wanted it to be or needed it to be. Huh. Um, but once I graduated, um, because you know it was kind of it was what I didn't want it to be. We were like giving kids T-shirts and doing activities, which was great. Right. But it wasn't what I envisioned and what I knew would have a lasting, deeper impact on their lives. Right. So once I got my stuff together, excuse me, mm-hmm. once I got my stuff together and got through school, that experience, it was like, oh, I'm all, we, we doing this. So okay. I graduated that spring <laughs> and then four days later, I was back like, all right, so this is how we going to fix and get this program where it needed to be. Way to come and, back. Yeah. Okay. The induction process. So now the youth, and, and that was one of the biggest things where you just, and just people peer, when, when you give them something, right. they don't value it the same way. Mm. So even if that's just learning something, reciting something, writing something, um, if they have to do something for it, they're going to value it way more. So now mm. they got to do a couple of things. Now, now it's going to mean something to them. Pa- pa- playing devil's advocate, hearing what you're saying now, Jumping back to what you expressed earlier and what you went through college and how your dad expressed, you know, hey, you know, you know, you're going to have to get yourself, you know, pretty much get yourself together. It's coming all back fold. Just thinking about it. OK. OK. So and, and just considering that. Um, what does it take to be a mentor? Can anybody because there's another misconception. Anybody pretty much you can just walk up and grab and that's a mentor. But is there any, like, requirements, a, ter- a certain type of disposition, like attitude or a resume, anything of that sort that's required to jump on and be, a, you know, a mentor? So from uh, – For lamplighters. Oh, well, so technically no because we can – the only thing I need you to have is a, a desire to want to help people. Mm. Um, and, and and that don't come in colors, right? Like, Thank you. Um, Thank so, you. At a, at a minimal level, just a desire to want to help people, to, to realize and see that there's some kind of problem or there's a way that this experience these kids are having can be better. And by me being a part, I can enhance that experience. Mm-hmm. Or by me being a part, 
we can help more kids because now there's more people helping. Mm. So, I mean, at a minimal level, I mean, it's no, I, I was, I was doing this when I was 21 and it's, it's no, you know, those experiences helped us be what we are today, but right. um, you just got to show up. And I think that's just the biggest thing, like show up with a, a heart to want to help. Right. And the rest of it will work, is, work itself out because kids are very good at detecting the real. Oh, man, the are they? So, uh, you know, a lot of people will show up for the picture, but it's not the same number of people that's showing up, you know, when, they, when you get that emergency call, like, hey, my, my son's missing or he, he had a seizure or we had an episode with um, some other kids or, you know what I'm saying, just mm-hmm. just different things that adverse effects of life. Right. Um, but a person who cares, um, they'll, they'll they'll find a way. Now, now you said it come now earlier you said it, that personality who are genuine and care doesn't come based on a color. Could you elaborate on that more? What yeah, you meant by so that? One thing that, like, just the state that we're in in our country today, um, it, and it took me, like, to, to really realize that I don't need my, because we predominantly serve minority males. Okay. Um, okay. Um, and predominantly most of them do come from single-parent homes, but it's a mix. We, we got them all. Um, but I don't need those kids to just be like, I, fans of Mr. King, I love Mr. King. I can talk to Mr. King about anything. Right. I need them to be able to, I need to introduce them to other people and other men who don't look like them, but have that same love that I have wow. so that they can learn to, to navigate the world because the world's not one color. Mm. And they need to be able to have different kinds of conversations and be comfortable doing that with people who aren't only like symbolic of them. Uh, so that's wow. been a huge thing that we've been doing this year is that uh, understanding that, you know, our boys need to have a comfort level uh, or at least be able to have conversations about their experiences with people that don't look like them. Wow. And, and those people be able to talk about their own experiences and neither party get offended because of the life that they've lived or been exposed to. Wow. Um, so um, that's been uh, one of the things we've been navigating, but um, it's, it's very helpful for them because the world is, is not black and white. It's not. So. It's not. And when you think back to, it's just like if we're putting together a recipe, uh, what would you say is the key ingredient um, to, for a successful mentorship program? What is the key ingredient in, 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 from your perspective? Man, so I, I think the key, who. I don't know how to say it. So, at the end of the day, it's 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 gonna sound like corny, but like really love, See. because powerful. Though. And and love is is so many things that that trickle effect off of that love, um, because you know like that love develops so much for those kids. But through the love I show them, they learn how to show love. You know, like a lot of times the kids we working with, they don't, a lot of, it's it's not a normal thing for a man to tell you I love you. It is not. Right. Like, so sometimes that's not comfortable. So, like, I I, I had to, you know, even my own self, like, get comfortable. Like, hey, man, I love you. Yeah, man. And um, I I, I realized how important that was when we we lost one of our kids to gun violence this summer. 
and we had a uh, this past summer. Mm-hmm. Wow, we had a uh, uh, grief to power healing kind of where we had some therapists in there, and one of the kids in our program who he he graduated um, um, this year, um, and I I've been mentoring him. He been on our program for man three years. He was a sophomore when he got in, so yeah, three years, and. Um, in the session that they asked, what do you need? Mm-hmm. He was like, I need to, I need to feel love. And wow. it like stunned me, man. Cause this is a kid who like, I, in my mind, I had been loving on and doing stuff and exposing them. And I mean, he knew of course I loved him, but right. he needed to hear it. It's um, a difference. He, and um, it was like, Ooh, it just, it just made me be even more reflective. Like, so ever since then, like now I just randomly text him like, you know, when I check on him, well, I love you, boy, I'm proud of him because now he's up in college. And I just don't want him to forget that he's loved and that we're proud of him, and specifically me. Um, and, you know, when people are important in your life, what they say, like, has an impact, right? Oh, come on. It's like if my mentor was to call me tomorrow and say, Royal, um, you disappointed me. You did da 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 right. And if I really did it, I'm going to be hurt. Right. Because... What she says, you know, matters because she had a big impact on my life. Same thing with my parents and my close friends. Now, people who are outside of that circle, I don't, I don't necessarily care what you think. Okay. Because you don't know what I, you don't know right. what, I, what, what what it is to be me or my experience. Right. But, um, yeah. But that love, you know, through that love, and when people feel that love, they want to support it. And everybody can't, you know, be a mentor, right? You don't, you don't have the time. You have what you need. To Not be. everybody. <laughs> Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, but what you don't have, you can make up in other ways. And okay. one of the things that helped drive, you know, our program and just any mentoring program is resources. Mm. Um, you know, we 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 do a a lot on on a little, right? And um, the more as as we've grown, you know, we got over twenty five chapters throughout the United States, all mm. starting from this chapter here. Come on, man. We got, 150 young men in our program. Talk, yo, talk. We go from fourth grade through 12th grade. You know, so um, these kids have an opportunity to, you know, be with us for, you know, eight years of their life. Wow. That's that's a huge impact. And as we get more resources and more people show more love, eventually we want to start K through four. And then, you know, you're talking about K through 12. Now, we're not ready. <laughs> we're not ready. I was no, gonna- I don't want no one to watch this and say, oh, I'm going to send my kindergartner. That's a different level of, of work, and we're just not there yet. Like, we started our junior lamplighters program because initially we would go um, right. from, like, eight, seventh grade through 12th grade, but right. it had to change because the high school kid, it's a different experience. Like, and, and a high school kid don't necessarily want to be, it's not cool to be hanging out with middle school kids. Like, nah. The same program. Nah, divide that. So mm-hmm. we started the junior lamplighters with the, with the idea that it's it's a prelude to the. Fills know, in that gap. Bridges. Right? Bridge so building. It gives them something like, I'm in this program and right. I love it. And it's like, okay, but I can't wait to get to high school. So oh, I do what man. I need to do. To Excellent idea. And then eventually we want to do that with K through four, but we're not there yet. Wait. And we need more love and more resources so that right. we get there, but we're not there yet. So okay. Right. See now, now with that being said, um, and I'm 
to kind of turn it, I remember just a heart back. I remember seeing just you'll put some different posts on social medias and things of that such of kids that have been part of the program. I've seen kids uh, get basketball scholarships or attend something somewhere else as far as the universe. And I see you post that. Love it. With that being said, if somebody wanted to reach out to you or find out more information, what are the social media sites and things of that sort that they can uh, look to? Yeah, so we've got a website, um, omegalamplighters.org, um, Instagram, Twitter, uh, Snapchat, and TikTok, Lamplighters850. Mm-hmm. Um, we're very active on there. Um, we let the, the kids have officers, so one of the positions is a reporter, and one of his jobs is to help create content for the Oh, page. man. So That's awesome. Events, he's taking pictures at the events. He, he's posting on the story. Um, and you know, so we're very active on social media, uh, because one, the kids get a lot out of it, but, um, we understand truly that if we don't tell our story, recapture and record it, then nobody else will. Come on. Uh, so we, we, uh, we try to do our due diligence and being active on social media. Dropping gems and jewels as usual. Um, there is a, uh, there's a quote, and not necessarily a quote, there's a slogan that we have here, a part of uh, Triumphant Moments, and it's called Encouragement for Free, all right? So thinking back to anything for our listeners, Encouragement for Free, encouragementforfree.com, but Encouragement for Free, what is some encouragement right now that you can provide for all of our listeners for free? Man, I'd probably say, the the most so I guess uh, maybe it's a two part thing. Um, uh, the most important part is that um, whatever adversity you face, understand that um, somebody's had to overcome more. Wow. Um, and that's that's and I and I I've I've seen some people in low spots, um, but you know where we are today, just as you know. African American people isn't where we were, you know, 40, 50, 70, 80, 100, 200 years ago. Right. Uh, so, um, in, in, in context, you know, not thinking about, you know, your parents' parents, but even deeper into, you know, just what we've had to overcome as a people, um, someone's overcome more. Mm. And, um, mm. you know, so I, I just think back to those things and, and, and remember that. Somewhere someone's doing more with less than what you have. And that's like not a knock to you or anything like that, but right. more of a, 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 a hoping that it will will you to be like someone is someone I've got it bad, but someone's got it worse. But then also how I come out of this situation is going to later affect the children I have or the children I currently have, my future families. Like, oh. So sometimes you just got to outwill stuff. Oh, my and, goodness. And to survive it doesn't mean you necessarily win. Sometimes just to survive. And and in that, you you born in yourself uh, a mindset of not giving up. And, and I would just say whatever you're dealing with, you know, someone, somewhere someone's doing, getting through a, a harsher situation. So you just got to outlast stuff sometimes oh, and, and just don't quit. Oh, man. Ladies and gentlemen. Young boys and girls, that is encouragement for free, okay? That's encouragement for free. My brother, my brother, Royal King, 
You know I appreciate you coming on the show, and you know we're going to have to have you on here again. All right, but I really appreciate you coming on the show. Thank you for your time. Man, I appreciate you, man. I love it. Sometimes in life, you must fail in order to succeed. But one thing must remain certain, that you never, ever, ever give up. It's Triumphant Moments, and I'm T. Wood. Boom.